Hour two of the Friday Rush. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, John Whitson with me today, live at Brown O'Haver in Moore. 405-735-5510. Be telling you more about Brown O'Haver coming up next segment. Travis Davidson is in Tulsa at Ash Cigar Bar. And before I ask you guys a deep question about Notre Dame, Travis, what's going on at Ash Cigar Bar? Well, we've got $3 domestics. we got uh, we got everybody uh, gathered here around in a nice little circle in very comfortable seating. I, uh, you know, I've... I've I've got our uh, our plastic folding chairs to make sure that I'm you know coming correct. I'm 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 active. I'm energetic. Everything because I tell you what, those chairs look so comfortable. Ooh, you might hear me snoring on air uh, after a while. But no, we're uh, we're hanging out here in the air conditioning. You know, got the cigars going, and uh, man, it's a great spot. I couldn't be more thankful for uh, our our friends here at Ash Cigar Bar. I read you guys last hour the current odds, next school to accept an invitation for both the Big Ten and the SEC. Notre Dame had the highest odds to join the Big Ten first. But then Notre Dame was completely absent from the odds in the SEC. I mean, Clemson, Miami, Florida State, Louisville, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Cincinnati was on there, but not Notre Dame. And we're only saying Notre Dame to the Big Ten right now. That's a thought. But, John, should we at least talk about or consider the fact that the SEC does swing the biggest stick in all of college football, that maybe there's a chance here that the SEC is potentially working on something with Notre Dame, even though none of us really are thinking about it right now? Absolutely not. No. Notre Dame is not going to join a conference until they are made to by act of Congress. They know that their best opportunity to remain in their unique exalted position in foot college football is to remain an independent because look it and, and an expanded conference only encourages them i mean an expanded playoff only encourages them to remain independent because they know that if they go 11 and 2 in a 12 player in a 12 team playoff they're in every single year they go 11 and 2 they're in they know if they go to the big 10 or the sec and they go 11 and 2 they might not be in right it is a better opportunity for them to stay independent. They're going to stay independent as long as they possibly can. And you know what? This is going to sound weird. I'm not a Notre Dame lover, but I think it's good for college football if they stay independent. Yeah, uh, they're leaving a lot of money on the table, which they've left a lot of money on the table for several years. Um, maybe they do something where they have this friends with benefits relationship with the ACC still and do something very similar with the Big Ten and still able to keep a game or two or the, the Shamrock series that they like to play. I don't know, but Travis, is there – is there any chance at all that Notre Dame to the SEC can happen, or is it Big Ten or bust for them? Yeah, I, I don't see them really joining the SEC. Obviously, if you're the SEC, you have to leave the light on, if you will. We've heard that phrase uh, often. But, uh, you know, you, you have to do your due diligence and kick the tires on it and say, hey, you know what, we'd love to have you uh, if you want to come on down and, and maybe – Maybe everybody's misjudging Notre Dame's uh, intentions, and maybe they do want to be in the SEC. Who knows? But I think uh, I think John brings up a great point. I think they like being that independent team, and I think they do have you know that unique path to the playoff where they don't have a conference championship game, uh, which of course we were told back in the day. Oh man, you need that that extra data point or whatever, and then it didn't help us anyways, or it didn't help TCU or Baylor. That's for sure. Um, but the uh, 
the interesting part I think about Notre Dame joining a conference is you're not going to have an odd number of teams in a conference, right? We keep hearing this, okay, we've got a 14-team conference. If it balloons to 20, you know, maybe we'll get 18, blah, blah. Nobody's like, ah, the good old 15-team conference. Nobody, that's that's not a thing. So who who is coming with Notre Dame? So then you have to think, okay, if Notre Dame gets – Oregon or Washington or Clemson, whoever, pick your team. If they get them to come with, well, then now the, the, the conference that they're pulling that second team from, now they've got an odd number. So who are they getting to, to backfill you know, that spot? So uh, I, think, I think a Notre Dame move would have a ton of moving parts. Uh, it'd be, again, one of those, those domino-type moves. But I could definitely see, as John was saying, I could definitely see uh, Notre Dame kind of staying put. I think Notre Dame will eventually enter into the Big Ten Conference. I don't think that that's necessarily imminent. I just think that, you know, pride is one thing. I think eventually, though, they're going to look at the amount of money that they're leaving on the table and just say, we've got to do this. And it's, you know, rivalry-wise, it's going to make a lot of sense for Notre Dame in that they'll still be able to play USC. They'll still be able to play Michigan. They'll still be able to play Michigan State. And now, though Notre Dame and Ohio State haven't played a ton over the years, Notre Dame-Ohio State seems like a, you know, a, a legitimate rivalry that we could see. Notre Dame-Nebraska, there's some history there. It, it just seems like to me that the, that the Big Ten is the ideal fit there. Are they losing their, their NBC contract? Um, it, under this scenario, it would, it would probably have to fold. But they're not losing it now. Uh, no, no. Not so how much are they getting to be on the – I don't know the exact number of what they're getting um, from the partly from the ACC and what they're getting from NBC, but it would be significantly less, uh, from what I understand, of joining the Big Ten and the payout that they're going to get. It just wouldn't surprise me. NBC is still network, right? Whereas ESPN is cable. ESPN or NBC is still network. It they'll be able to throw some money at ESPN or at Notre Dame. They will be able to throw money at Notre Dame to keep them independent, at least for a period of time, and to keep a toehold into college football. Yeah. Hey, I hate Notre Dame. I hate Notre Dame football. But that's exactly why I would love to see them in the SEC. Is Yes, they would be leaving behind uh, Notre Dame-USC, Notre Dame-Michigan, Notre Dame-Michigan State, all that. But Notre Dame-Oklahoma, Notre Dame-Alabama, if you were to join Miami, the Catholics versus convicts, kind of a even Notre Dame-Florida State uh, would be an interesting matchup as well. And you never – I don't think that you ever make a decision of this magnitude strictly based on recruiting – but Notre Dame would be looking pretty sweet if they had a real tie into the South and the Southeast because regardless of what conference they're in, what affiliation they have, they're going to get kids in the Midwest. And I think regardless, they're going to get kids on the West Coast as well. But the South is really kind of the region where they've had a hard time getting into. And they got that SEC tie. And mind you, Marcus Freeman already has the number one recruiting class for this year and I think for 2024 as well. I don't know, Travis. Maybe under that scenario, you see the best version of what Notre Dame could have to offer. Yeah. It, what would be really interesting um, is if they were to join, say, the SEC, is if Marcus Freeman would come up with a Southern accent uh, similar to Brian <laughs> Kelly's. Um, so I, th- I think that I think that would be something to keep an eye on. Uh, no doubt about that. Yeah, uh, let's see. Text line says to get that hundred million plus, the networks will likely want all conference games, and that's what they will get. Uh, I think that you'll still have some non-conference games mixed in there. Tell me what you guys think about this. 
because one of my favorite Saturdays, honestly, maybe my, no, it is my favorite Saturday of the regular season of college basketball is with the Big 12 SEC Challenge. I think that is so much fun, man. It's smack dab right in the middle of conference play, but I think it's great. You have all those matchups and you root for your conference, whatever. How awesome would it be? that now we have two major conferences in college football, and maybe ESPN and Fox would get in the way of this, but what if you had the same thing with the Big Ten and the SEC in football moving forward, John, where you stagger your best team against their best team, the second-best teams, and all the way down, and you could find out before the playoff even begins who actually up and down the best conferences. Well, I would, lo- I would love to see the cross-conference games. And, you know, we've already seen that in the, S- or in the uh, Big Ten when we've gotten to play Ohio State twice. It, it just adds an element that's just so much fun. It is so much fun to see good on good, especially in college football, when you don't see it that much. And I hope, I hope that the TV money has some of those, t- some of those prerequisites that says they have to play each other more, that they have to drop some of these games that aren't worth a flip. When I'm the biggest OU fan, but when I look at this schedule – that we have in 2022, it is not fun. It is not exciting. No, Nebraska is a nice game to play, and it's it's going to be a lot of fun. But that when that's your marquee game, pretty much for the entire schedule besides Texas, it's it's frustrating. And then for a home game, oh, it just makes you want to just I don't even know, you know. And so all of that to be said, if some of this money is that we're required to up our game scheduling. I'm all for it. I am all for it. I'm all for uh, getting to play some big-time games. What you worry about is is if you had to play some cross-conference games and you get stuck with the aforementioned Purdue's and Northwestern's and Illinois' of the world, and you're like, oh, well, this is what I had before, you know? So, I don't know. I hope we have to play more SEC games, a couple good crossover games with the Big Ten, and let's keep a game alive in the uh, in the old Big 12. Let's keep either Oklahoma State or somebody else. Yeah, Travis, I definitely have an old soul when it comes to college football. I loved um, when I was first introduced to it in the 90s and what I grew up around. Like, that's what college football is to me, like the regionality of it. I love that. But if there is an advantage, and you and I kind of talked about this last week, is there will be more really elite college football games, at least elite fan bases and elite programs matched up against each other. You'll have that with this change. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're right. We did talk about it last week. And it's one of those situations, comparing it to our schedule this year, especially our home schedule this year, you look at it and you're like, man, if if we could only add, you know, a Georgia, or if we could add an LSU, or we could add even Arkansas, anything like that, we'd be like, oh, man, that that would be a nice little marquee game that we could really look forward to. But... Just by nature of moving into the SEC, you're going to have just such better games. I mean, such better games. And if we do anything crossover-wise and kind of to Tyler's point where you stagger best against best, second best against second best, and kind of do it as some of the kind of NFL scheduling um, sometimes does, I mean, that 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 would keep you from being like, oh, sweet, we get to play a Big Ten team. Oh, man, it's Rutgers. Like, no, Oklahoma's going to be playing, you know, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan, you know, USC, who knows? Like, you're going to get those marquee matchups still, but I don't think we're going to be shy of marquee matchups during the season. I would love for the SEC to go from an eight game to a nine game. I am a big believer in wanting to go to those stadiums. I I would be furious if they come out with a scheduling model of, oh, sweet, we're in the SEC. Oh, I get to go to Athens in 
2035 or whatever, right? Like, I'd still want as many conference games as we can get so you can actually experience these, uh, you know, every recruiting class can go see every stadium. They can host every team. You know, work it out like that. And obviously as conferences grow, it will be tougher to schedule that way. But that's why I'm, 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 I definitely like the maybe maybe the one model, maybe a one-eight model, something like that. Uh, let's just get let's just get a lot of different fan experiences in this thing. I'm envisioning a, a Big Ten SEC challenge, and you kind of have the heavy hitters, you know, during the afternoon, certainly in a marquee game, and then the Big Ten and the SEC challenge is tied going up until the nightcap of the evening, and we're all sitting around watching Vanderbilt and Rutgers play for the right for our conference <laughs> to win the challenge. Oh my God. <laughs> Well, it would be it would be awesome. They well, get ratings. You probably be whoever well, UCLA has to play in the late game. Oh, you know what I mean? It's going to be UCLA and Vanderbilt or UCLA and Kentucky out there in LA at the nine o'clock tip offs or kickoff. Right. Well, what about this? What if you did something like that? Do you make it like uh, you know like the MLB All Star Game where where there's actual like real life consequences to things? Like hey, whoever you know whoever wins the the, the Big Ten SEC Challenge gets you know the the top seed in the you know whatever right like you get you get something as an added benefit down the road now i think that could be interesting because then there's something on the line there are actual stakes with this thing and it's not just bragging rights it's man there's going to be an advantage if you got the better conference i think that could be interesting to look into you, you know what we're leaving out though right What's is that? if we have a crossover with the big 10 what are the odds that we get to play lincoln riley um. Well, I, he's going to be. He won't be at USC. Yeah, he, he won't. He, he, he won't be, be there. And I don't think we're going to cross over with the NFC East. So, <laughs> I mean, this is all about TV money, right? All, all this they they want better games on a weekly basis and, and all that. And I can't think of a better content idea in terms of having you know legitimately like ten great games in one weekend than this. Well, I, or, or even if even if you took what would be the bye weeks. And backed them up to each other, and had five great games. Yeah, one week, and then five great games the next week. And those you either play or you're having your bye week right in the middle of the season. Oh man, that'd be fantastic. It'd be, it'd be awesome. It'd be awesome. Hey, before we hit a break, uh, Brown O'Haver right here and more four zero five seven three five fifty five ten. He's John Whitson. You got another example of uh, what you do here at Brown O'Haver? You know, we talk about the money all the time, and if you're out there listening, we get our clients paid more, and we get it paid more quickly, but. For those that are out there listening, it's not always about the money. Sometimes it's about the service. Sometimes it's about taking care of the situation as quickly as possible so your your property is um, secured, your your the fire is secured, everything is kind of taken care of and under an umbrella of responsibility. So we had a client of ours that just had a fire in the middle of June, but due to the severity of the fire, uncontrollable factors, our team quickly conducted her physical inventory to help determine non-salvageable versus cleanable items. We provided the insurance company with the total cost for cleaning and the items along with the photos. She was paid full policy limits wow. in less than 25 days. Dang. All right? So there's a time element to it, and there's an ability to handle the situation that we bring to the table because we have the staff to do it, we have the experience to do it, and it's our goal not just to get more money, but more money quickly. We want to get the money in the hands of the insured so they can start to rebuild their life as quickly as possible. Tulsa, they serve you as well. 405-735-5510.
I, I know we have several listeners that have used Brown O'Haver in the past, and uh, they love their experience. Love their experience, and how could you not? You're more, you get people money, and if you don't, it doesn't cost them a dime. The ref has brought us so many clients over the years, and that's one of the reasons why we continue to partner with you guys, because the ref fan base has been an awesome source of clientele for us, customers for us. And now that you guys are on 94.7, it's only bigger and the impact of the ref has only been greater. So we appreciate you guys being a partner with Absolutely. us. Absolutely. No, it's been fun. Brian O'Haver, 405-735-5510. Hour two of the Friday Rush rolls on next. Keep it locked on the Homeless Sooner fans. Friday Rush right here on the Homeless Sooner fans. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, John Whitson. Cavens Construction is bringing you this hour of the Friday Rush, which you've done uh, You've done a couple projects here with Cavens recently, John. Well, we've done projects with them recently yeah. and over the years, and they are the most professional contractors you will find in Oklahoma. And it's largely because the, their breadth of experience takes them all the way from government work down to individual homeowners and everything in between. And you don't often find that in a contractor. And so, yeah, if you've got a project out there, Brown O'Haver heartily induces the use of Cavens Construction. Um, 99.9% odds. Actually, I'm going to put it at 100% odds that uh, Travis Davidson and myself end up in Lincoln uh, doing some shows before the OU Nebraska game, pre- and post-game show. So we're, we're going to be in Lincoln for, for OU Nebraska. Mainly what we're looking for is a roll call here from the text line, 405-651-3439. But let John, I'm just going to like give you this take that I have on that game. You tell me immediately what comes to mind. I think with the excitement of this new coaching staff and everything surrounding the season, the proximity from Norman to Lincoln compared to Columbus or Knoxville or L.A. or anything like that, I think that this is going to be the highest attended OU true road game than maybe we've ever seen in our lifetime. Yeah, I don't think that's a hot take. I think that's I think that's legitimate. Yeah, I absolutely do. It's six and a half hours. It's an easy drive. Um, it's affordable. Affordable stay packages. I'm sure. Absolutely. And uh, I think that with what we saw in terms of fanfare from the OU Nebraska game this year, it just makes sense that we're going to want to travel. What we gave, what we experienced with their fan base, we're going to want to experience up there. Yeah, and Travis, I mean, OU Texas is always a can't miss game, but there's not really a can't miss true road game there. You know, I maybe the Baylor and Oklahoma State games are can't miss home games, but would would people like to go to West Virginia? Sure, but that's tough. Would people like to go to Lubbock? Eh, no, I don't know. No, the answer is no. Nobody wants to go to Lubbock. The true can't miss ro- the true can't miss game this year is in Lincoln, Nebraska, Travis, in my opinion. Yeah, of course it is. And and now you have people that um, you know, grew up with the rivalry, everything like that. You would think just on the basis of a lot of people's careers that maybe they can they can afford maybe if if there's that one trip a year they want to do it's going to be Nebraska. So you've got a lot of people that have a lot of great memories from growing up with this thing. Um, maybe haven't been to Nebraska in decades, and 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 yeah, it's going to be extremely well attended because I mean I'm sure I know plenty. I'm sure you know plenty. I'm sure both of you know plenty of people that pick one road game a year to kind of make their you know their big road trip their guys trip you know their their couple's trip whatever to go to a road game i mean this is the one right i mean this is the one that everybody's like oh man the one we're going to this year gotta go to nebraska well 
You, um, like we said in the first hour, though, you're going to have to pay to make this trip happen because hotels are ridiculous in Lincoln. Tickets are ridiculous in Lincoln. But I don't think that that's going to stop OU fans. I think that this is going to be a game, John, where OU will clearly sell out the allotment. And a lot of fans will pay a high ticket price on the secondary market. But Nebraska fans aren't just going to be easily willing to give up their tickets as well. I think there's going to be a ton of OU fans in Lincoln that don't go to the game but watch it somewhere at the bar just because ticket prices are so high. But, my, like, without a doubt, a ton of OU fans will be in Nebraska. Well, and as far as hotels and stuff, Omaha is not far away. That is not a hard drive. 45 minutes, hour max. You know, if you're, if you're worried about hotel costs, go stay in Omaha. I will say, and this brings – this is a mention to the earlier gentleman who texted in and told us, if you're spending the money, do not tell your girlfriend how much this all costs. <laughs> that is the dumbest thing you can do out there, all right? Just tell her you're going and you're a baller and it's that, you know? It's, at some point, you got to have a pair. Buy your tickets. Enjoy the time. You do not need to share every intimate detail of your life. Am I wrong? Um, no, I mean, especially because, like he, he said earlier, like, eh, she, I'm just trying to get her involved in OU football, which I think is great. But get her she better not She better not know how much it costs. Get her involved without telling her how much it costs. Yeah, if you try I to. Think, if, I think he said they spent a third of their savings on those tickets, which I say, I see, no, I see nothing wrong there. Yeah, I'm proud of him that he spent savings and didn't put it on a credit card because that's probably what I would have done back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get that debt going, man. Hey, but the trip was fun, right? The trip was oh. awesome. The trip was awesome. No, Nebraska is going to be great. You know what? Nebraska is one of those weird places, especially Lincoln and Omaha, where the food is fantastic. It doesn't seem like it would be. It doesn't seem like there's some kind of pull there or ethnic quality to their food. It's just also very good. They've got great restaurants. Anybody that goes up to that game is going to love it. Really? Lincoln oh, does? I loved them. Yeah. When I used, huh. to, I used to cover up there professionally as a – as my big boy job when I had a real yeah. job, and I loved it. I loved going there. Travis, what do you think? You buying that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm uh, obviously a big food guy uh, uh, coming from the restaurant industry, and, hey, we enjoyed uh, a lot of the pizza places we went. I mean, I know a lot of the listeners that tuned in during the World Series uh, maybe thought that that's all that the state of Nebraska had was pizza because we kept on doing remotes from pizza places. But I enjoyed all the food that I had up here. There's no doubt about it. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And that's really what makes, for me, a trip. Obviously, if it's a sports trip, I want to win the game first and foremost. But I really love going to different cities and trying their different foods and everything like that. I haven't been to Lincoln, um, so I can only speak on Omaha. But uh, you know, I, I was impressed when I was up there, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take John's word for it on this one. I can't wait to go up there and try. Uh, let's get to a few texts on the Air Comfort Solutions text line again: four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine. This one says, "Love the show. Please help me figure this out. I've never seen so many top in-state recruits commit to schools outside of Oklahoma. What gives?" Travis, I'm actually going to let you take that one because it's from uh, your neck of the woods in the 918. Yeah, eventually you like to uh, – it sounds like you're making excuses a little bit with each one, and I think that I think that people need to understand that there are differences between excuses and reasons. So um, when you look at, like, a by Job, like he's not – he just – has been in the States not very long, a few years. He's not an Oklahoma native. He didn't grow up, you know, rooting for the Sooners. This wasn't a Gentry Williams situation where when he came home from the hospital, he was wearing OU baby clothes. Like, it's not one of those situations, right? And with that, you know, this staff is brand new. 
didn't have those that time to make these relationships. And a guy like Micah Tease, it was a positional thing. Uh, a guy like By Job, it was just, you know, Michigan State, you know, the, the, the family – really liked it up there the 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 staff here kind of got hamstrung because the previous staff did not really do them any favors by getting out ahead of it uh luke has his brother dylan both him both of those two are going to arkansas Um, they have huge family ties to that university once lincoln was gone that was kind of the 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 contact that luke was having with them uh so so he was eventually going to end up at arkansas i truly believe he was going to end up at arkansas uh regardless just due to i believe their their family season ticket holders and things like that um we're, we're still definitely in it for Jacoby Johnson. I know uh, the OU, the Crystal Balls definitely favor OU in that recruitment. And then the Cole Adams, I don't know how many times we can we can talk about that. Uh, but a, a lot of people think that he was always going to Alabama. Should we have gotten into that recruitment a little bit earlier? That's certainly something that you can debate until the cows come home. Um, but we've got a lot of other really good targets um, in this uh, wide receiver class. Um, and if there's, if there's one guy that probably knows – you know who he wants to play on his team. It's it's probably Kale Gundy. He's been he's been at OU longer than half the fan base has been alive. So I'm I'm pretty much going to trust him in that. But yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's a situation where it's a concern going forward. Uh, I know that we're well set up uh, for the 2024 class. We've got some uh, we've got some talent in 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 that. The 2025 class is already uh, shaping up to be historically good in the state of Oklahoma. Um, so 2025 is definitely one you're going to keep your eye on. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think it's anything too concerning going forward. I do believe Brent Venables cares about, you know, putting that fence around the state. Um, but, you know, it, it'll just be something that takes a little bit of time as they continue to build relationships with the top talent. Because we can take – I mean, the 2024 I, class is a, is a little light, but – you know, you've got Zadavian Sims and David Stone will be coming back to the state. It looks like to play uh, his is the rest of his high school ball. It looks like, uh, but it's we're national recruiting. Like we go down and if if we go sign a kid from IMG, I don't think anybody's going to be upset because we didn't get the Oklahoma kid. I don't know. I'm still upset we don't get the Oklahoma kid. I hate losing all the Oklahoma kids. Going back to Dax Hill, Josh Proctor, all those guys. It frustrates me that we let guys like that get out of the state. And you look at the IMG guys and you say, okay, yeah, I, I'll take the IMG guy. But then you think of the, um, oh, who's our, who's our? Buki. Buki. You think of Buki and it makes you sick. It's like, is this what we're going to get from IMG? You know, I, I'll take Josh Proctor over Buki any day of the week. And oh, so, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, for sure. I, yeah, it, it absolutely. Frustrates, it, it frustrates me, though, that we come up with, and I liked your line that there's a difference between reason and excuses, but that also sounds like something an Oklahoma State fan would say. Like, we lost. We lost out on these guys. And there's, that's frustrating. And you know what? To lose a guy to Alabama, you understand. Like, a kid says, I get to go to Alabama. It, it, it's just like um, it's just like the basketball player at OU that went to North Carolina. Brady Manick. Brady Manick. I mean, yeah. He gets to go, a chance to go play basketball at North Carolina. You go play at North Carolina, at least for one year. But in this case, I do not like losing to Arkansas. Like, that's – I don't care if the guy – was born in Little Rock. That doesn't matter to me. I hate losing out that Yeah, game. yeah. And, and I think that, um, you know, OU is, w- w- what does Brent Vittable say all the time, their most successful program, most winningest program since World War II. Like, I don't think OU's got to bow down to anyone. So I know that Alabama is tough to go up against right now in recruiting. They got the best recruiting pitch. They got the best salesman on their staff, all that. But I just don't want the fan, like the expectation to be, 
oh, well, we lost out to Alabama. That's okay. Because if you want to get over the hump, you're going to have to start winning those recruits. I, I completely agree. But if you're going yeah. to lose, at least it's to Alabama, when you start losing to Arkansas and other schools like that, that's frustrating. That gets yeah. really, really, really frustrating. Uh, this text oh, says, and, how and, many? And in, yeah, go ahead, Travis. In the past, in the past, oh, trust me, I'm, you know, I'm the, uh, I'm the lone employee of the ref that lives here in Tulsa, and trust me, I know a lot of these kids that get recruited from Tulsa, and it's, you know, we're closer to Fayetteville than we are Norman. Uh, I see OSU billboards, Arkansas billboards, all this. I, I had a friend that was going uh, to OU Tulsa, and somebody else asked whenever I was talking about them, they're like, OU has a campus in Tulsa? It's just, there's, it's so much, it seems so much different. I mean, I remember, I've, I've, I've read a list to Tyler what, probably a couple weeks ago, something like that, of like 13 or 14 918 kids that ended up playing their college ball somewhere else. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's frustrating being on this side of the state. That, don't get me wrong. Uh, but I do, think, I do think it will change going forward um, with this recruiting staff. Uh, this text, one more before we hit a break. How many number one recruiting classes have won natties? Well, a lot because for a long stretch, Alabama was getting the number one overall class. I'm looking at the 2012 class, just a random class that I looked up. Yeah, it's Alabama. That class uh, eventually won a national championship. So uh, in 2013, Alabama had the number one overall class. So number one classes outside of Alabama, um, I don't know if there's been a ton, but there is a ton just because they've all been rolling to Tuscaloosa. Well, the other thing, too, is speaking of – Losing guys to Alabama, we all remember the Josh Jacobs game. I mean, do we want to have? Do we want to sit through another game like that where we're constantly reminded of the fact that Oklahoma lost out to Josh Jacobs? Robert Barnes still doesn't want to uh, relive that memory. I can promise you that. <laughs> no that way, tough, man. That was tough. Four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine Air Comfort Solutions text line. More coming next on the Friday Rush. Keep it locked. Cavens Construction bringing you hour number two of the Friday Rush. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, John Whitson is with us today. I'm live at Brown O'Haver in Moore, 405-735-5510 to see how they can help you today. Travis Davidson is at Ash Cigar Bar. Travis, what's going on at Ash? Oh, we got everybody rolling in now, uh, beginning their their happy hour uh, early, their Friday afternoon happy hour early. Um been talking, uh, you know, between the breaks with a bunch of them about realignment and all kinds of stuff going on. It's a good good group here today, a lot of fun to chat with. But they got $3 domestic drafts. Um, they've actually are all smoking cigars here, uh, not 15 feet from me, and it smells like clean air in front of me. So I love the ventilation here. Um, it's a great spot, 42nd and Sheridan. Uh, if, you're, if you're listening and you're in Tulsa, swing on by and say hi. I'm looking at an article right now on uh, 24-7 Sports. Top 10 wide receiver duo projections for the 2022 season. Uh, they got Ohio State at number one, which I don't think is that big of a surprise. USC at number two with Jordan Addison, Mario Williams. I mean, that's an entire segment there. Whatever. Texas is at number three, led by Xavier Worthy. Uh, Virginia's got a couple of guys there at number four. And then Oklahoma at number five. They say OU has the fifth best wide receiver duo in college football. But they say it's Marvin Mims and Theo Wees that combine for the best duo. Um, Travis, do we not think that it's going to be Marvin Mims or Jalil Farouk this year? Or are you laying out a scenario where it can be Marvin Mims and Theo Wees? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm buying the I'm buying the Marvin Mims and Theo Weiss. I think uh, we you know we talked about this on our podcast on Wednesday night. 
somebody brought up a good point and asked if we were getting oh I'll, I'll try and phrase it differently i suppose are we getting drunk if you will on the um Julio Farouk hype like we all got drunk on the Charleston Rambo hype after the Alabama game now I I said that you know with Charleston like he had that big catch from Kyler you know just dropping it in the bucket you know over his shoulder I think Jaleel um, showed us a little more in the Oregon game but you know they, they also were starting a bunch of freshmen like I don't I'm, I'm not one to make excuses for Oregon but I do think Theo has has shown his ability. I mean, I remember big games, big moves, especially from him in, in the Baylor comeback. Obviously, um, the Florida game, everybody had a good game in. Um, but but I'm thinking, Theo, when I talk with um, Smitty, who uh, was working out with uh, Dylan and Theo over spring break, uh, even he said, look, Dylan hasn't thrown to a guy that looks like Theo Weiss. He's like, Theo, he just he screams NFL body, NFL hands, everything like that. I think if Theo is healthy he's gonna he's gonna show everybody why he was that five-star status and then also you look at that 2019 class that incredible 2019 class especially in the offensive side uh, you look at spencer radler austin stogner uh, trajan bridges uh, Jaden hazelwood theo weiss is the last one standing so he's really got you know the the hopes and dreams of that 2019 class all on his shoulders and and we'll see if he can kind of salvage some of the, some of those hopes what do you think john no i 100 percent if you, if you ask me who the two best receivers are, it's Marvin Mims and Theo Wies. And Farouk plays a very nice role as the third receiver all day long. Because Theo Wies is just physically better than those other two. You know, he's got all the skills or, or all the tools in terms of height and speed and all of that. Is he as explosive, though, is my only question. Because when I think of Theo Wies, and maybe this is completely wrong, but I feel like I've cornered him into, ah, he's a nice third down guy. Third and five, you need seven yards, you need eight yards. Theo Wies is the guy, he's a possession receiver. I could be totally wrong I about think... that. Maybe he'll be super explosive. But I look at Mims and Farouk as more explosive guys, which would lead me to think that they're the one, too, I not think, Mims. I think you're caught I mean, up I think you're caught up on Wies, Wies. Being her, on his injuries and May, like yeah, that. maybe. Yeah, that I could think, be totally fair. I think you've got, yeah, I think you've got, I, I think an uninjured Theo Wies is going to be fantastic with Dylan Gabriel throwing the ball. I really do. And Marvin Mims on the other side. I mean, here's the deal with Marvin Mims. He's, he, he, he is the symptom of what was wrong with our offense the entire year. He is the perfect symptom to say this is what was wrong with our offense. Because he did not get the touches that he should have got. He did not get the looks he should have got. He didn't get anything that he should have gotten. And he still averaged a Big 12 leading 22 yards per reception. And that's an issue. That's about a that. problem. Yeah, and he still didn't get that. enough touches. And he still didn't get enough touches. That's exactly right. And that should be that should tell you everything you need to know. I mean, you look at, um, it, I don't know. I'm happy with these two. I think these are the two that are going to be our, our, our dominant receivers. Travis, let me ask you this, okay? Now, we could sit here and argue if, if OU is going to be higher than fifth on this list at season's end. Is OU going to have a better duo at wide receiver this year? Or is OU going to have a better duo at running back? Oh, man. Oh, man. That's uh, that's a good problem to have when you're asking that question, I suppose. Um, I, I do think... I do think I'm going to go wide receiver here because I think the top end of Marvin Mims is just impossible to deny. Uh, we're, we're still, you know, kind of... Javante Barnes looks like he's got all those star qualities... But we haven't seen it yet. We saw what we a lot of what we liked in the spring game. He's got to get the pad level a little bit lower, but that just comes with experience. Um, 
Eric Gray, I think, is going to benefit greatly from getting the ball thrown to him out of the backfield. I think Lincoln Riley slowly forgot that you're allowed to throw the ball to running backs out of the backfield. Um, So I think getting that back into the offense is going to be extremely helpful. But, I mean, really to John's point, when it comes to the wide receivers and and kind of the the, the targets and everything with Marvin Mims, um, we we talked about this with Levy's offense going in. Levy's... Levy's top receiver of just, if you just say receptions, had 76 catches last year. Now that is double what OU's leading receiver was. Jaden Hazelwood had 38 catches. Think of that, double the receptions. That's that's incredible. So Levy likes to feature a guy, and Marvin Mims is pretty much the obvious choice of, okay, we're going to feature this guy, we're going to score from far, dime time, all those wonderful hashtags. Um, so I think while the running back room has a ton of potential and a ton of talent. I think it's the difference between not knowing exactly what we have in Javante, yeah. being high on him for sure, but we don't have the proof yet. I I hope that the offense that it, within the offense it's the running backs. I hope they're the more dynamic duo, but I I think they'll only be the more dynamic duo if it's Javante Barnes and Marcus Major. Okay. Ooh. Because I think if we're counting on Eric Gray to to fall into that dynamic role, I think we've seen what we get with Eric Gray. I really do. I think we've seen what we get with Eric Gray. Very solid, very serviceable running back, not going to make a lot of mistakes for you, but he's not going to give you that high-end dynamic playmaking ability. With Marcus Major, the top end is the, the top end is really the potential. We've been waiting on it. I'm not here sitting here saying he's going to deliver that, but I think if we're counting on it to be more dynamic – it's going to fall in with Barnes and Major. Yeah, I, I think all those points are fair. I would say that the best duo is going to be at wide receiver just because with running back, for the most part, you're going to be picking between two or three guys. Well, whoever the top two duo is at wide receiver, there's like five or six guys that you can pick from. Now, I think it'll eventually be Jaleel Farouk and Marvin Mims, but Marvin Mims might be a top two-round draft pick. Jaleel Farouk could be a potential first-round draft pick someday. So, yeah, I would agree with you, Travis. There's maybe a little bit too much unknown with Javante Barnes at this point, but here's the reality, guys. You feel good about quarterback and – I can tell all three of us feel really good about running back and wide receiver. God, if the offensive line is just good, man, and I don't even know if it necessarily needs to be elite, but if it's just good, there's no question in my mind, John, that this offense is going to be better than it was a year ago. I feel very good about that. Listen, what has been most maligned at OU under Lincoln Riley? It has been the defense. The defense was always the excuse for Lincoln not performing. Right, The defense was holding him back. Mike Stewart's defenses were holding him back. If you look at the 2021 season, it's the offense, man. Yeah. It's the offense. It's the offense in the second half against Oklahoma State. It was the offense at Baylor. Yes, did our defense give up too many third downs? Absolutely they did. But look at the score at halftime. It was like 10 to 3. Right? It was a 10 to 3 score at halftime. You're in the game. Your offense is not producing if you can't score more than three points against Baylor. That's the offense. And I will say this. You talk about the squib kick. Thank you for bringing that up into my world. Yeah, text line wasn't happy that Travis did that. I'm not happy about that either. But it reminds me of the fact that our defense gave us a 38-31 lead in the fourth quarter. Our defense on the subsequent possession went three and out. We went three and out, and our offense had the ball again with a 38-31 lead with six minutes to go in that game. And our offense, 
is the reason we didn't yeah. win that game it, against It was Georgia. a scenario that if I gave you before the game, you take it. Hey, tie game, six minutes left. Your defense just gets a three and out. You get the ball back with a, really a chance to win the game. Would you take Not it? Not a yes. tie game, a win game. Or, yeah, yeah, with yeah, a yeah, lead. Yes, it lead. Yes, sorry. Yes, you take that scenario. And so my point being is it was in a lot of cases – our offense did not help our defense out. Now, did our defense suck for a good portion of those five years? Absolutely. But last year, you could make the argument that we were turning the corner, at least in some games. Yeah. And our defense is not the reason we lost at Baylor and not the reason we lost at Oklahoma State. It was our offense's inability to put any points on the board and support them. Yeah, fair point. All right, uh, we'll get to some of your texts coming up next. Closing up hour number two of the Friday Rush coming up next. Friday Rush, live on the ref for the Homeless Sooner fans, Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, John Whitson. I'm live at Brown O'Haver today. Travis is at Ash Cigar Bar in Tulsa. And uh, if anyone has $60,000 that they're looking to spend, well, you can buy former Alabama current Texas player Keelan Robinson's uh, three rings that he won at Bama. You can uh, buy his SEC, Rose Bowl, and College Football Playoff Championship ring that is listed right now by the Vegas Pawn Shop Pawn Stars. It's really Vegas Gold and Silver, but Pawn Stars is the TV show that made them famous. Um, $60,000, Travis, for an SEC, a Rose Bowl, and a college football playoff ring. Uh, no thank you. And by the way, Keelan Robinson earlier this week running his mouth saying, yeah, I know what they look like. We can beat them boys. Yeah, I don't know about all that. Uh, hey, I- I thought it was against uh, selling your stuff while you were still a student. Maybe the transfer rules or something like that took that away. But I'm just why, – why would anybody buy those? I just don't – I don't get it. Too much money. Uh, they don't have a wife or a girlfriend that's nagging them about their purchases, John. That's basically hey, what it is. got to keep that under wraps. You got to. All right, final hour of the Friday Rush coming up next.